ho, 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 ho. Do we have a special one on tap for you today, Patriots fans? If you happen to be enjoying this edition of Six Rings and Football Things on the visual side, where many people consume it via the social medias or particularly the YouTubes, then right now you are just struck. You are in awe. You may even just damn well be turned on by the visuals because our special guest, 11-season, three-time Super Bowl Patriot, Patriot Hall of Famer, the one and only original mustache himself, Matt Light, number 72, has joined us from his private parlor with but a single Lombardi and some hand lotion behind him, a painting of an African safari, a stuffed perched falcon, and he is wearing but a bathrobe and nothing else. Very NSFW for the fans of the NEP with the Super Bowl 36 logo emblazoned across the left side of his very broad chest. If this visual cue and start to the podcast is a sign of things to come or how the Patriots will play this season, Matt, then let's hang them high and let them fly because it's going to be a hell of a year. How are you, Matt Light? Buddy, I am good. Always a pleasure to be with you. That may have been the most descriptive way to describe <laughs> one large, hairy mammal that's grotesquely overweight sitting in his uh, somewhat converted office. And I, yeah, it, was, uh, it was great to, uh, it, was, it was a good ear tickle. Yeah, that, well, listen, you've got a flair for the dramatic. Every time you join us, last time we had you on the podcast, you had just finished butchering a deer and we're, you know, making winter's meat to to help the family light survive the long, cold Ohio and New England winters. Now you show up in a bathrobe like you're either on vacation or you're about to, you know, jump into one of those like uh, champagne glass hot tubs on a honeymoon or something. And listen, I celebrate the entire light catalog. I'm here for all of it, my friend. Well, listen, first of all, I have to change the look often. You know, I want to keep the wife off balance. I want to keep her engaged in the relationship, so to speak, right? I've got law enforcement after me on a regular. So, you know, try to try to keep it creative. But um, yeah, man, it's uh it's not often that I do don a robe, but this one, you know, I I th- I, I, I got off the bus after we won that first championship. And I was the only guy, I think, wearing this robe. I remember that it got a lot of attention. And I remember as you kind of come out of winning a championship, there's like a fog period of time, right, where, you know, you stay up late that night. You then have to travel back to the your hometown, right? In this case, we all come back to Foxborough. We get off the bus. Fans are all there. It's, it's like a chaotic time in your life. And then there's a million things coming at you. But looking back on it, I remember seeing some of the coverage of when we got off and I'm wearing this ridiculous robe and I'm like, what's wrong with me? I've got so many issues and nothing's changed. So yeah, good to be here. If being sexy is wrong, then I hope you are wrong for the rest of your life. What a memory. What it also, you know, you guys had just pulled off the most at the time. And I still think to date, the most improbable Super Bowl win, 12 and a half point dogs against the greatest show on turf, a team that had said previously a few months prior, and I'll stitch this into uh, what I, I I think many hope the New England Patriots of 2023 can accomplish or at least deign to accomplish. But you guys were gritty, well-constructed, run-first, intelligent football dogs that had gone up against the Rams and then somehow incredibly with luck, opportunism, hard work, uh, great special teams play and more, found your way back to the a rematch with those Rams in the championship 
and pulled it off. Now, granted, at the time, you were also allowed to body slam and pile drive wide receivers over the middle and, and be a little rougher and tumble. And you can't quite do that necessarily in the NFL these days. But coming off a victory like that, I would think you were allowed to do whatever you wanted. So a bathrobe off the bus in Foxborough, Massachusetts, should have been the least of your extravagances. Um, speaking of extravagances, uh, there's a very special day coming up in Pat's Nation, a, a momentous and historic occasion, not just the kickoff of the 2023 season, Matt, against the defending NFC champion Philadelphia Eagles, who have become a bit of a cross-conference rival for the Patriots. Uh, it's not just the kickoff to the season with Bill O'Brien back and so much more, Max Redemption Tour. The return of the GOAT is upon us. Tom Brady is coming home, finally, to take the victory lap and feel the full adulation, love, and appreciation he so richly deserves for that double dynastic run that he and Bill Belichick put together for us. And you, of all people, to benefit your fantastic foundation, the Light Foundation, have put together what I believe is maybe the greatest single Pats fan giveaway in history. Why don't you go ahead and run down what's going on for the Light Foundation on September 10th? Yeah, listen, it, it is going to be a wild time. I mean, never have I heard people more fired up for a game ever. In, in Patriots history, this one will go down as the most sought-after ticket. And in thinking about that, we thought, okay, let's host the sweepstakes to raise money for the Light Foundation, the work we do, because it's kind of a no-brainer, right? And, and, and the beauty of these kind of sweepstakes is that you can spend as little as 10 bucks, right? And, and have an opportunity to not just go to the game, but we've got two grand prizes. Each one of those grand prizes gets two tickets to a suite, everything taken care of in the suite. But before you even go to the suite, we're going to have dinner at Davio's. We have an amazing tailgate headed up by Peter Carbone and his entire crew right outside the stadium. Once we go into the stadium, obviously the game itself, the, the return of the GOAT, all the pomp and circumstance around that, it's going to be phenomenal. But I had to give 12 a call and I said, hey, look, if at all possible, can you swing by and say hello to our winners? He jumped in with both feet. That's a testament to him. Um, love him to death for all the support that he's given us. But if you're one of these lucky winners and you get to have your picture and wrap with the greatest of all time, that may be the greatest moment in uh, a, a, a Pats fan or an NFL fan, period, to be there for that moment. And, you know, it includes an overnight stay, you know, so you don't have to worry about, you know, what you got going the next day or getting out of there that night. We'll take care of the whole package. And this will be a fun one to uh, to celebrate alongside everybody else there at Gillette Stadium. Dinner at Davio's. A tailgate before the game with Chef Peter Carbone, an autographed Tom Brady jersey, a $1,500 stipend to take care of your travel, all the goodies and accoutrement, tickets to the game, hanging with Matt and Susie Light, plus you get to meet Tom Brady, something I have actually never done. Met everyone in the family, interviewed the man a number of times on the radio. He's probably aware of, but also terrified by me for all the Brady love and, you know, fan crushing videos I put You're out in the, the early to the <laughs> definitely on the list. Um, dude, this is spectacular. Quick question uh, before we get into how fans can enter. Do you have a vetting process or like, let's just say, I know anyone can enter. Like it, it's as little as $10 to be able to get in on the sweepstakes to have your name drawn. But let's say like a vindictive jets fan wins. 
and they like get to show up and have their picture taken with Brady. And let's say they have a custom Jersey that says Brady sucks or something mm -hmm. like, can you like kick them out the suite or like, is this just love all serve all we get what we get because it's in the name of a good cause. That's right, man. We, well, listen, we will frisk and, and pat down, run a few security wands to make sure there's nothing that could physically harm Mr. Brady. But of course, outside of that, I mean, hey, right. it's it's anyone's game, right? It's it's for right. the kids, as you noted. Yep. And, uh, you know, we're not going to deny anyone, the, you know, their their prize, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it could be a moment of a lifetime, could be the game of a lifetime. It is, according to research metrics uh, and dollars spent right now, the most heavily anticipated and most expensive ticket in the 2023 season for a number of reasons. We've gotten into the Brady aspect. We'll get into the on-field aspect and what we expect or are looking forward to with the 2023 Patriots. But Matt, just tell people where they can enter and just a quick word about uh, who benefits uh, so yeah. richly from all the great work you do at the Light Foundation. You know, so easy. Celebrate TV12. Put that in your browser, celebratetv12.com. It'll take you right there to get your tickets. And look, like I said, we've had people win these that bought as little as $10 worth. We've had people that have bought hundreds of dollars worth. At the end of the day, the money all goes to the Light Foundation. I got to tell you, I'm back here in New England after another incredible summer running camps for the foundation. Our work is year round, right, Fitzy? Mm -hmm. But, you know, a lot of what my family and I get to participate in, because, you know, we're here in New England for most of the year, takes place in the summer. And, man, it's been an honor. I mean, the work we do, we have um, leadership camps uh, through our Light Foundation Leadership Academy. We have youth hunts uh, that go way beyond just the hunt. We do timber framing with kids that come in from all over the country. Um, and we have a host of other programs that are designed to just take the time to spend with young people and point them in a different direction or maybe show them something new that, that brightens their horizon or gets them to think outside the box. But it's all about leadership, man. How can we help develop those skill sets that made me a better person, made me a better football player, taught me responsibility, taught me about ethics and accountability and and, and leadership. And th that's the real way that we like to work. Responsible, ethical, accountable leaders. We like to be real, act real, do real things. And it's really been a pleasure and an honor to be able to do all this. Listen, I'm a king. I I am an acronym. I am an acronymophile, if such a thing exists. But the fact that you just trotted out real, real, accountable, uh, some accurate leadership, uh, real, accountable, real. What did you call it? Again? Responsible, responsible, ethical, accountable leaders, responsible, ethical, accountable leaders. I am running with that full attribution back to you and the Light Foundation. That is phenomenal. I have two young boys myself. Uh, yeah. They're mine. Uh, they're mine, or so, or so I believe. Although since they were both born IVF, uh, the uh, the fertility doctor was a Jets fan since both boys uh, were were taken care of in New York City at the fab <laughs> at the Cornell Weill uh, Medical Center. So I I I should probably have him tested just to make sure that he didn't spitefully. They're you know, yours. Yeah, they're proud. They have giant heads and they're prone to bad jokes and they love the Patriots. So yeah, they're mine. Uh, both of them are going to eventually be sent to the Light Foundation for a camp or for a good portion of a summer because um, last thing before the football talk. I was just having a conversation the other day with my buddy who I do that YouTube series about Patriots fandom with. And we were saying like in this day and age where it's so difficult to try to teach real world skills, real world values to kids when they're constantly looking to engage 
on social media when they're glued to screens from iPads to iPhones to streaming TVs with Roku's and beyond. Yeah. Uh, the kinds of stuff that we're not teaching kids these days, uh, like the values there, like how to survive, like survival tactics, like real outdoor living, like what you guys are doing is so important. This should be like light foundation principles and, and actions should be like not even just an elective, but a necessary class in school, in high schools for kids, because kids are getting into college and then going out into the real world and they still have no idea how to balance a checkbook how to be respectful to their elders, how to change their own oil or fix a flat, like just basic stuff. Right. Um, and I feel like the work that you guys are doing helps round and mold young men into better people. And listen, just on that point, look, all your viewers, the people that are, uh, you know, sports fans and they they love competition and everything that the sports, sports world brings, right? Right. Yep. It's so important. It's so vitally important. But what we need to be talking about is the fact that there are so many kids growing up, a generation of kids that aren't as in tune with the sports world. And that's fine. Mm -hmm. we're, yep. we're not all going to be, you know, sports figures. We're not all going to love the game. But that competitive spirit is important. The lessons that come out of it are really important. And in general, it, when kids break away from the devices and, and we don't allow devices in our camps, they all go into a lockbox. We actually make a ceremony of it, right? Like tell it goodbye and, you know, make sure <laughs> it feels good about this and you'll be back later. But we lock them away and 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 it's the same curve. It, it's this it, there's a ramping up of frustration and then it, it peaks at about day two. By day three, it's as if the phones never existed. And that's the hope I want to give parents, educators, all that. When you do pull the binky out of the baby's mouth, so to speak, and, and, and you realize that, yes, it's a major distraction, but when they separate from that, you get real kids again. Kids that are engaging in activities, they're working with their peers, they're overcoming, you know, uh, little, you know, arguments or things right. that arise, but... And when they're glued to those things, none of those interactive, honestly, leadership skills that, mm -hmm. that we used to perfect and we didn't even know it, but we were forced to because we had to work alongside the people. Yeah, we didn't want to be there, but mom and dad were there. So we had to be there and we didn't have an iPad to pacify our time. We were forced to do the kind of things that made us, you know, better leaders, better employees, better mm -hmm. bosses, right? because we had to work through those things. If a kid doesn't have to work through those today, and many of them don't, it's hard for them to have any point of reference when things do hit the proverbial fan, right? right. So those are the kind of things that we love to engage our kids with and challenge them and push them you know, to, to, to do the activities that we know will serve them well down the road. So once again, if you would like to make a contribution to the Light Foundation and the amazing work that they do, it's like, honestly, Matt, taking away the screens and showing them real world and teaching them how to problem solve and be better people, better men, better brothers, better friends. It's like a sugar elimination diet. Like, how could you ever possibly live without cabs? And then a couple of days into it, you're like, oh, my God, I feel so much better. I'm sleeping better and I'm actually able to function without feeding that particular need. I've trained myself to to subsist off of. Uh, if you want to help contribute to the great work the Light Foundation is doing, you can enter the sweepstakes. You get a couple entries for just as little as $10, but there's no limit. Go ahead, spend tens, hundreds, thousands if you want to for your chance to go to the Brady return game. 
against the Eagles September 10th. And maybe just maybe indulge in all this great food. Hang with Matt and Susie for a day. Let his musk rub all over you and then get the photo of a lifetime with TB12. Celebrate12.com or visit thelightfoundation.org. All right, buddy. Let's actually get into uh, let's get into this 2023 Patriots season. And right off the bat, I got to ask you, um, I want to ask you about yesterday's big news. Uh, the Patriots add a little value and veteran presence in the backfield. I think they made the perfect move with Dalvin Cook going to the Jets. That makes a lot of sense because he can be running back 1A as Brees Hall continues his recuperation and rehab from his torn ACL. The Pats needed a 1B with a little pop left in his legs who could provide veteran depth. And they get that, I think, in Ezekiel Elliott, that one-year deal for $4 million, up to $6 million. What did you think when you heard the Pats sign Zeke? Hey, look, I th I hope it points back to what you referenced off the top here in this in this interview. And that is if you go back to the old days, right, you go back mm -hmm. to that 2001 season and you look at how we played the game, you know, uh, a lot of run game, creative in the run game, uh, sticking with the run game, going with big personnel. Um, mixing in the throws. A lot of it was the intermediate stuff, right? It wasn't a, we've never been known for down the field, you know, unbelievable plays, right? It's, it's not in, you know, the DNA of how most of the, the, the successful teams in the last 20 years have done it. I hope that this signing of Ezekiel Elliott is beckoning back to those, those days, right? Mm -hmm. Where we're going to see Billy O'Brien, Give Mac a lot in the in the in the throwing game to play with because he's creative. He's good. He'll work in the tear screens, the bubble screens, the misdirection type of stuff. Keep them keep them honest up front defensively, right? Mm -hmm. With their personnel package. But I hope we're gonna see a return to that run game where they're mixing in the big personnels, adding an extra offensive lineman working some of these tight ends into some of these wham blocks and, and misdirectional run going up there with a check with me game that includes three runs and no passes. Right. Um, because when we did that, man, was that a powerful tool for the quarterback, for the wide receiver, it worked for everyone and the offensive linemen love it. And by the way, it exposes your offensive line a lot less, right? You're, you're not going to show where there could be some chinks in the armor or some guys that haven't developed fully because they haven't had the time. And, oh, by the way, you don't get to practice very much in the National Football League today. Right. So what's a lot easier is being able to develop the things like the run game. Not always easier. Maybe that's not the right way to say it, but you can have more success early by pounding those guys up front defensively with an offensive line that's willing to go out there and get it. That's what I hope Ezekiel Elliott can bring. He's a guy that he's not trying to avoid you. He'll he'll hit you in the mouth when he needs to. And that burst, if he still has it, and I'm sure he's got it enough for what we're talking about, could play huge for this season. Yeah, he doesn't want to be – he's not going to be the 1A anymore. He's definitely going to be an established 1B for Ramondre. We saw the Ramonster wear down as the season progressed last year. He only had 210 carries for 1040 yards and five touchdowns on the ground, but he also had 69 catches, so he got used, I think, a lot more than he was prepared to because Damian Harris was dinged up last year. Zeke has soft hands. He has over 300 catches, 8,300 yards on the ground, uh, and I think 68 touchdowns on the ground. 
it's very funny, Matt. I saw earlier today on Instagram, and if I saw it on the socials, it has to be true. The numbers line up career-wise when you guys acquired in 2004 Corey Dillon, who was supposed to be Maybe. washed and was supposed to be all done with Zeke Elliott, like carries, touchdowns, yards, years in the league. Corey Dillon was done in Cincinnati because that was a Loserville franchise at the time. Obviously, things have changed for them. The, the Cowboys have moved on to Tony Pollard, parting ways with Zeke. If he's got a little tread left on the tires, some motivation, he's getting paid pretty good money now, and a little gas left in the tank, not to mention his tremendous pass protection. You know, if the offensive line has some gelling or some health issues, a guy like Zeke is not, like you said, he doesn't run from, he runs to contact. And he may just help Mac buy that extra half second he needs to let whatever the pass play is develop. So a signing like that could be huge for Billy, could be huge for Mac. And like you said, uh, the offensive line responds to guys who choose violence on every play like that. Yeah, listen, I mean, we I think we've even talked about it on your show here in the past. Yep. There's a statistic that we used to talk about a lot in the offensive line room, and that is if you run the ball 25 times or more in a game, you're you're the odds are you're winning. I mean, the, yep. the it's it's ridiculous. And I can't remember what it is. It's like 86% of the time, right? It's it's an amazing statistic. And and if you think about it in terms of you know, I don't know if most fans know how many players are being called in, a, in an average game, right? But let's just say it's 65 plays in a game, Perfect. right? Yep. Let's put it in that ballpark. So that means you're running about a third of the plays, you're running the ball. And, and I think a lot of fans would look at that and say, okay, that sounds about right. But the reality is that's not the case in a lot of games, right? Especially the way the game's designed today. The good teams that know how to develop that part of their offensive scheme, running mm -hmm. the ball effectively, mm -hmm. and they rush it 25 times or more, their success is through the roof. And I got to tell you, it sets the tone for everybody. It sets those to the tone, like, you know, special teams. What a crucial part of the game that gets overlooked all the time. But you know what gets a special teamer fired up? When guys are hitting people in the mouth, they're moving the ball consistently. You know what gets your defense fired up? When you're wearing down the other team, letting them hang on the bench and catch an extra breath or two because yes. the running game is effective. So the running game impacts every aspect of, of the entire game and the psyche of everyone there as well. We got to get that going. I, I don't think, honestly, if I had to put the level of importance, I don't really care how Mac throws the ball this season. I do care how he, you know, his decision making goes and how he leads, but I'm more concerned on can we get the running game going and can we get it going early? Yeah, the team would feed off that considering how turbocharged the AFC East is offensively now. Weapons galore in Miami, Buffalo the reigning champions, the Jets loading up for what should be a pretty excellent run with Aaron Rodgers, now Dalvin Cook, all of his receivers. Nicole Hardman, they had the offensive rookie of the year last year and could have had the second offensive rookie if Brees Hall hadn't torn up his leg. And then the AFC overall, there's quarterbacks and offenses from the Super Bowl champs, Justin Herbert and the Chargers, Trevor Lawrence and the Jags are going to be no slouch. The AFC North is going to be another anchorman rumble. You're going to need a great running game, creative play calling, and a sound fundamental defense to be able to hang in all these games this year. And that's what I want to see. And um, I wanted to ask you, now, I know you're familiar with Billy O'Brien. I think we talked about him back here on the podcast and how stern and intelligent he can be 
Uh, he's one of the best swearers that you ever came across in your time with the Patriots. You had three seasons with him from 09 through 11. Um, what would you say will be the biggest difference when people see the on-field product of Billy O'Brien in the 2023 Patriots versus last year with the 2022 Patriots, sort of led by the offensive minds of Patricia, Judge, and Belichick? I mean, the the biggest thing. I mean, it's going to be hard um, to say what's the biggest difference, although I think just for what the average fan will realize is that there's a lot more um, creativity in how the the first couple series go, right? So yep. if you look back on last season, I think the frustrating, one of the many frustrating aspects to watching the offensive performance is that, man, from almost the very get-go, every single game, you were like calling into question what was being called and why. Yep. And I mean, I can just tell you as a former player, I watch a lot of games and I'm like, man, why are they doing that? And, and then the first thing that comes to mind is, well, I wasn't there all week. I, I don't understand what the emphasis was. And they're probably doing it a little bit different or drew it up a little different based on what the defense is doing, blah, 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 blah. But just from a casual fan perspective, I think you're going to see the method to the madness developing in those first couple series. You know, the, the openers in every mm -hmm. game, it that is the chess match, right? We're the gonna, first we're, 15 plays, right, usually? Yeah, yeah. We're, we're drafting up the first dozen to 15, and here's how we want to start the game. Here's what we want to show early. Here's, here's where we'd like to exploit some of their things or see how they're going to line up given this formation. And then from there, it's an if-then statement, right? If this happens, then we do that. Last season, it was like, what the hell are we doing and, and how are we going to build off of that? Because it was all bad. Like, I don't know what feedback that they got on the sideline that made them feel good about going into their second series. You know what I'm saying? I don't think you're going to see that with Billy O. I think you're going to see, and I'm not saying it's all going to be roses, right? I mean, I'm not mm -hmm. saying every opening series is going to be, you know, 88 and out the gate. Uh, but I think you're going to see where you can start to see that plan develop and start to see some of that success and exploit some of these things. But again, it comes down to those guys on the field, right? You can be the mastermind. You can be the Billy O'Brien that we all know. And I know he's damn good at what he does. And, and the guys are going to want to play for Billy O. I can promise you that. He's in it with them, right? Yep. But those guys still have to go out there and perform at a high level. And there's a lot of question marks in that regard as well. Yeah, I'd rather see the F-bombs coming from the offensive coordinator on the sideline who's frustrated because he wants to see things executed better as opposed to the quarterback who's MF-bombing his play caller from the middle of the field. Hell, at one point last year, we probably needed to send Mac Jones to the Matt Light Foundation camp or to, the, to one of your summer camps to work on his leadership because he cares. We know he's passionate. We know he's yeah. super smart. We know he cares. But you got to find a way to hone and harness that energy. And I think that's going to be... One of the big things we've talked about here on the radio and on this podcast and in breweries and fan caves around is gonna has been this will be a more prepared and competent and competitive team where you won't see frustration, plays not going off in the huddle, people, people offsides, receivers and tight ends running into each other with bunching and spacing issues. I think you're gonna see a return to proper professional fundamentals on the field. And I'm excited for that alone as I am the competition in what's going to be a very difficult but compelling season for the Pats. Um, 
As far as the offensive line goes, you have said, even on our airwaves recently, you think this group could actually be pretty solid. Tell me a little bit why you uh, just give me a little insight as to what you think uh, can come from this group. And also uh, you played with Adrian Clem and you've got some familiarity with him. What do you think he's going to bring as far as being the O-line coach to the team? Well, listen, I mean, as far as Clem goes, I mean, you're talking about a guy that was plagued with injuries, you know, from the from the day that he got here in New England until he left. Um, but that said, you're talking about a guy that overcame a lot, too. He he got to learn from the Dante Scarnecchias of the world, right, um, mm-hmm. on, on what great coaching looks like. He has a serious love of the game, and he's gone to work, you know, in, in his time – uh, since he left the NFL, he'd made it a point to get to the point where he's at now. And look, you don't come back to an organization like the New England Patriots and a Bill Belichick, you know, coach team without being willing to sacrifice everything to be the best coach you can be, right? He knows what he's getting into. So I think that should tell you a lot about, you know, what he's going to bring to the table. He's going to be disciplined. He's going to drive these guys each and every day in that offensive line room. Um, he he knows, you know, he knows the system. And I'm sure that there's going to be some nuances. And I'm sure he's going to bring a few things, too, from the player perspective. Because yeah. what I can also tell you is that there are many times in, in every organization in the NFL where there's a coach that is asking you to do things that every player knows isn't quite possible. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? It, it, it's not like they're asking you to, you know, pull a unicorn out of your you-know-what, but there's times where, you know, you're sitting there going, eh, because the head coach wants it done a certain way, and then the, the other coaches feel like, well, we just got to do it because the head coach. I can tell you this much. Dante Scarnecchia, it didn't matter who it was. If they threw something out there that he knew wasn't going to be doable – he's going to let him know and he's going to fight for every guy in that room. And that went a long way for all of us as players. I think you're going to get the same from Clem. So that's a bonus. That's a great thing for those guys in that room. Now the guys in that room, right? And here's what I would say. David Andrews is a true leader. Matter of fact, I've always said since I got to know him that he's a throwback to our era. Right. And He's a guy that would have fit in great with the Dan Copens and the Logan Mankins and the Nick Cashers and the Steve Neals. I mean, we had so many great guys that came through, guys that brought their work pail and and just wanted to go out there and get better every day. Um, that's what he brings. And, and look, guys follow the David Andrews in the locker room, right? So if he's healthy and he is and he stays out there, that's the number one feature on that offensive line and oh by the way quarterbacks love having a center like david andrews so the comfort you know gets spread around that entire offense quarterback happy you know offense is going to be a little happier now the rest of it right we're going to get some guys healthy obviously you know we got the guard situation looking a little better now um Mm -hmm. guys are going to start you know probably taking a few more reps in some you know these remaining preseason games um, we're going to see a little bit more, hopefully, out of a guy like Trent. Um, and the rest of it is kind of a question mark, right? What are they going to do at right tackle? I don't know. But I can also say this. When it comes to the right the, the right tackle position, 
it's been one that's been kind of questionable going all the way back to my days, right? Like, yeah. who do we have? Who are we working in? We bring a guy like Marcus Cannon back, you know, that was last season, I think, right? They're all blurring together, but yep. it's always been a little bit in flux. Again, keep the running game going. Everything gets a lot easier. So, uh, you know, like I mentioned, the AFC East, well, I'll wrap it up with this. Uh, AFC East is going to be incredibly competitive. Uh, we've talked about the fact that the Patriots might be a, a better team, more prepared, more competitive, and yet somehow still, given the level of competition in the division, let alone conference-wide, that they may not even have the same record as last year. Vegas only has them at seven and a half wins as their win total heading into 23, whereas they were at eight and a half last year. They finished eight and nine, yet still... There were a couple of games down the stretch, Matt, the Vegas game and the stupid lateral, the fumble at the end of the Cincinnati game. And they were up in Buffalo, but two, you know, leaky kickoff returns and some uh, miscues in the second half against a Bills team that was basically begging to be beaten prevented the Patriots from realizing the playoffs. So what do you, th what, you know, how do you see the season's shaking out in just a few words or what do you think will be, what, what will be the tale told of the 2023 Patriots if everything falls into place and they can stay healthy and competitive? Well, there you have it. I mean, can they stay healthy? And if they stay healthy, I think the competitive side takes care of itself. But let's go back just a little bit because you already highlighted something um, and, and noted something that transcended last season in every facet of the game, right? When you have players who are frustrated, who are actively, you know, giving it to the coaches in real time for the world to see, right? That's a sign of a super frustrated player, right? right? Clearly. And when you have frustrated players, you know what else happens? You have a breakdown in communication throughout the week of preparation. You have a breakdown in trust. You have guys that are bickering amongst each other. And what tells that tale the most? When you see stupid penalties, when you see mental errors that, this team doesn't make – I think you probably said it more than I did, but I felt like I was looking at each week going, that's not what we do. That's not a New England Patriot, you know, Bill Belichick coach team. What the heck's going on? Well, I think it's all summed up with what you said earlier. You had a lot of frustrated players, you know, and, and that led to a lot of mental errors and other parts of the game that they wouldn't normally have made those plays. When you have a group of guys that are working together, they have a ton of respect for each other. They know that the work they're putting in is meaningful and that it's not just busy work because, hey, that's what coaches do, right? Coaches will just give you stuff just to keep you busy. But in New England, all that work we put in, we knew that every time we took the field, we had a chance to win. But if you're taking the field with some other mental approach, right, based on all the noise and the frustrations, that's when you have a season like last season. And with that said, they still had an opportunity of making the playoffs. So now let's go to this season. Honestly, you take all that away, take all that frustration, take those players that were feeling like they were being outed or whatever, and just have a group of guys that are willing to go out there and sacrifice, play Patriot football, I don't see why they wouldn't make the playoffs. You still have the greatest coach in the history of the game. You still have a lot of other coaches that understand that system really well and are willing to show up and, and bust their butt and work hard to make it possible. And you still have enough guys in that locker room. And again, I'll point to the David Andrews. I'll point to a guy on special teams 
who's still doing it at a high level and commands a lot of respect in that locker room. Guys like that, they're going to make a difference. And hey, look, I'm a throwback, but you need veteran players to speak truth into the younger players, as we noted earlier. Kids today, and especially those that are coming in, you know, that are young guys are going to be asked to do a lot. This is a bit of a rude awakening to walk into a system like this. But the vets can look at him and say, hey, man, sometimes you just got to sit down, shut up, get in line and work your ass off and it'll all work out for the better. If they can do that, we'll look at a season where they can go into the playoffs. I, I, I could ask for nothing more as a fan. Of course, they'll be compelling one way or another in media reporting, broadcasting, but just tracing it all back to the fundamentals of my fandom as a lifelong diehard Pats fan. That's all I want to see. I've seen six Super Bowls. You guys went to nine. Uh, six were one. There's just an end zone of Lombardi's. I have a closet full of championship, AFC East, AFC champion, Super Bowl t-shirts. It's it, lifetimes of joy, celebration, success, arrogance, obnoxiousness. It, all of it has been brought and then some by the Patriots over the last 20 years. Just get back to the basics, be competitive, play good football. Don't make mistakes. Give us something to cheer for and be proud of each and every week. The way that you did in your days, the way that you do now in your post-playing career, clean up those mistakes with the veterans. Looks like a good rookie class as well uh, with Gonzo white and Marte Mapu, the first couple of picks. And I think it's going to be a fun season for one and all brother. I love each and every time that you join the podcast and shed some of your, your wisdom. I avoided saying light because that would be too easy, but your wisdom, your experience, uh, your knowledge and more uh, one more time. If people want to enter for the chance to not only support the great work, Matt and Susie and the light family do with the light foundation, but also, Oh, I don't know. Maybe get to go to the game of the year, the hottest ticket in the NFL. You can visit mattlight72.com, the lightfoundation.org, or go to the specific website, celebrate tb12.com for just $10 or you could spend a hundred or you could drop a thousand, whatever, enter as many times as you want. Each and every entry into the contest goes to the great work. The light foundation does with our youth today. And you may just win a chance to go to that game, shake hands with, and take a photo with TB12 himself, which is almost as cool as meeting and taking a photo with MF and Matt Light. <laughs> Listen, Fitzy, I always love being on your show. Uh, hats off to you and all the work that you do. You've been doing it forever, man. And listen, you sounded like Bill Belichick when you were summarizing what you want to see for the season. And I can tell you, he used to put it, and I'm sure he still talks to him today, we want to play smart, fast, and nasty. If they get back to that style of football, I think we're all going to have a lot of fun this season. Uh, smart, fast, and nasty. SNF in these parts usually means Sunday night football. When I see those letters from now on, I'm going to think about you. Smart, fast, and nasty in your sexy little robe there in your little Super Bowl office. I love it. All right. Matt Light has been our guest today on Six Rings and Football Things, brought to you by our friends at FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel Make every moment more. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate everything that you guys do. Appreciate your time today as well. Hope you have a great season. Hope all the Foxborough faithful have a great season as well. We'll be back with more later this week, getting you guys ready for the Patriots pretend season game number two, Saturday night at Lambeau Field. Good day. God bless. Thanks, everybody. And as always, go Pats.